College Spy Podcast, a weekly podcast for parents and students addressing all aspects of the college selection and admissions process. I'm Michelle McEnany, the founder of The College Spy, a full-service independent educational consulting firm. I assist students and families across the United States and internationally using video conferencing, email, phone, and text messaging. To learn more about The College Spy and how I may be able to guide your student through the college admissions process, please visit our website, thecollegespy.com, or follow at The College Spy on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to episode number two of the College Spy podcast. I'm Justin McEnany, here with Michelle McEnany, founder of the College Spy. Today we're going to be talking about test optional admissions policies. They are in the news right now with the COVID-19 virus changing the testing and admissions landscape. A lot of schools are announcing that they're going test optional. So now is a good time to understand what that all means. So why are schools making these changes now? Schools are going test optional because they're worried that they're not going to get enough applications because of what happened with the tests during the virus. So far what has happened is that the March SAT was canceled for um, many students, a few to get to take it. April and May standardized testing has been canceled and June is still on, but it's likely that with the progression of the virus that that will be canceled too. So if students are required to hand in SAT, ACT scores to colleges in order to apply and they haven't been able to test, colleges are not going to receive as many applications as they need to fill their classes. And I'm sure some students are going to feel that they didn't do as well on the tests as they might have done because they haven't been able to prepare in the normal way. They haven't been able to attend test prep classes and um, they might feel that their scores aren't representative of what they might have been. Exactly. And they're also under stress because of the coronavirus. It's a stressful time for students. They don't know what grades they're getting, whether they're getting pass-fail or not, whether they're getting graded. They're worried about their families. They're worried about themselves. So testing under extreme stress does not bring about great test scores. Sure. So we're going to talk about test optional today, but I think it probably makes a little bit of sense to first frame it by talking about terminology because there's a couple terms that are very similar to each other that relate to this topic and test optional is only one of those right so let's do test optional first test optional means that the student has a choice of whether or not to submit their standardized testing scores meaning the sat or act scores they can apply to college with those scores or without them it's their choice so the school just evaluates the student uh, on on what they've submitted. If they've just submitted their 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 grades without the standardized tests, the the schools will still review them just based on what else is submitted. And if they choose to submit their tests, then that's great. The schools will take a look at that as well. Exactly. Uh, the next term that's similar is test flexible. So colleges that have a test flexible admission policy require testing scores, but they don't have to be the SAT or ACT. Uh, students might be able to hand in AP test scores, IB exam scores, or SAT subject test scores. It's important for students to look carefully at each college's website to determine if they're not going to hand in their SAT, ACT scores, what else is going to be accepted. And then the final term that I want to make sure we mention is test blind. There are a few schools in the United States that are test blind, meaning that they aren't interested in your test scores at all. So if you actually do submit them, they're just not going to look at them and evaluate them as part of your application. 
Got it. And test optional is not something that's brand new, right? Right. It actually started in 1969 at one of our favorite colleges, Bowdoin College. And I say that because Justin and I used to live in Maine, uh, and Bowdoin is located in Maine. And then in 1984, Bates, also in Maine, joined them. The first science and tech school was Worcester Polytechnic Institute. They went test optional in 2007, Wake Forest in 2008. And then in 2018, the University of Chicago went test optional, which was a big deal. It was exciting because they are a highly selective research university, and they were the first one of those to be test optional. So even before COVID-19, there was a trend here. Yes, exactly. As of 2020, but before the coronavirus, there were over a thousand colleges and universities in the U.S. that are test optional. And now since the coronavirus, a number of additional schools, including some big name schools, have joined the list. Right. Some examples of those are Tufts, Boston University, Oregon State, the University of California system, Davidson, Rhodes, Vassar, the list goes on and on and it keeps growing every day. The most recent one I've heard is Tulane, which was yesterday in Louisiana. And some of these schools are saying they're just going to do this for this year, but others are announcing that they're going to do a test period of a few years, right, to see what the results are. Right. There's a lot of advantages for colleges to go test optional, and I think many colleges in the United States have been exploring test optional haven't quite made the move yet and so some of them are, are looking at the coronavirus and saying okay we we know that there are some pros here let's give it a try for a year or three we're not making a full commitment but we're going to evaluate our data afterwards and see if this worked for us did we get the same caliber of students that we were looking for right so what are some of the reasons that a school might choose to go test optional again even in the absence of the coronavirus there's two parts to this there's what they say and then there's maybe a more cynical view of it so let's start with what they say right what what did they publicly say are the rationales for this two things one is they don't need those scores and the other is that they're trying to increase diversity let's talk about them one at a time so the admissions counselor's job is to figure out of all of these applicants which ones are going to be successful on campus, who's going to come to campus, who's going to stay on campus all four years and graduate. There is debate whether or not SAT, ACT scores are good predictors of college success. Some say yes, some say no. So schools that are test optional are saying that they don't need the scores in order to determine which applicants are going to be successful on their college campus. They can look at other factors that are in the application, and the two that they focus on the most are academic rigor and grades. Which courses did you take in high school and how well did you do in them? Then diversity. One of the key things that college counselors are trying to do, in addition to building a class of students that are going to be successful, is they're trying to build a class of students that reflects certain demographics. Right. They want to increase diversity on campus. And by diversity, let's just be clear what that means to a college admissions counselor. They're building a freshman class that is diverse in a number of ways. It could be geographic diversity, having students from all 50 states or international students. It could be socioeconomic diversity. It could be diversity of interests. It could be diversity in terms of ethnicity, which is a key point about the SAT and ACT. What we know about standardized tests is that 
they are not fair. They favor the wealthier students and they favor white students. So colleges who do not have test optional policies get a limited number of applications from black, Hispanic students, low-income students, first-generation students, because those students look at the average test score of accepted students to a particular university, and they say, my score is too low, I'm not going to apply to that college. And colleges would like to have those applications. So if they offer a test-optional policy, they're going to get more applicants from those demographics. Right. They're trying to limit these students from self-selecting out of their pool. Right. So, you know, you might say, oh, well, for the group of students who statistically don't do as well on the test, maybe the colleges can just say, all right, we'll take a lower score from those kids. But the problem is those kids aren't applying. They're looking at the average test scores of students applying to X college, and they're saying, I don't meet that. I'm not applying. So colleges are saying, you don't have to hand in your standardized test scores. We'll look at other factors. And it's not just students from those particular demographics that I mentioned, but it could be other students, too, who they might have a reason to accept, but they never get that application. So just because the score is a little bit lower. So it could be a student that has um, upper middle class, wealthier student, white student that is said to themselves, well, my scores aren't good enough, I'm not gonna apply. But had they applied, the colleges might've seen something and said, oh, we want this student to attend and we're going to allow them to come in under our test optional policy. Got it, and that, that connects us back to the COVID-19 thing where students might either not be able to test or might be getting scores that they think don't represent their their achievement and therefore they might self-select out of applying to a school that would want them if they had applied. So the choice to go test optional by the college just gets the school a broader range of applicants. Right. Going test optional makes a lot of sense. It does. And I think that the reason why colleges don't just go test blind, scrap the SAT and ACT completely, and they leave it test optional, is that they want that score. It can help paint a picture of a student. And the picture includes test scores, grades, the rigor on your transcript, letters of recommendation. All of these pieces together can let a college admissions counselor know who's going to be successful on campus and who isn't. And with SATs and ACT scores, scores, you are more likely to have a false negative than a false positive. So there are instances where a student who has lower uh, grades and maybe didn't take as rigorous of a curriculum throughout high school does exceptionally well on the tests. And the test scores uh, provide an additional data point that shows the potential of the student, as opposed to the other end of things where they had excellent scores in high school and a lot of rigor, and then they tested low. The, the low data point, that's kind of a false negative and is not likely to be informative to the college. Exactly. And let me just give you some more examples of why a student might have lower grades and higher test scores. That student might have ADHD and have a hard time keeping their grades up over time where they took their medication in that morning and they sat down and just hyper-focused, which is something that ADHD students have, an ability to hyper-focus on the test, do really well. Colleges are gonna wanna know that. 
it could be a kind of thing where there's a situation at home, perhaps a, a student taking care of a sick family member, or there's drug or alcohol abuse in, in the homes, or the student might have an attendance problem, not able to get to school consistently over four years, but can show a college, look, if I get out of this environment and you accept me on chair campus, look how smart I am, look at my test scores. So colleges wanna know those things. They're not going to go test blind. They want to keep the data point where they can, and they especially want to keep it where it's going to help students get into their college. Their job is to accept students to their campus. They don't want to reject students. So if they get a higher score and maybe some of the other elements of an application are a little bit lower, they can say, we see potential here. This student is going to do okay on campus. Let's accept them. So let's talk about some of the reasons the colleges don't talk about publicly as to why they might go test optional. Sure. Colleges might go test optional so that they can appear more selective. And the place that they appear more selective is in college rankings. For example, U.S. News and World Report. And it's important to colleges that they increase their number in the rankings. So let me explain. There are two ways that they can do this. The first one is that when you are test optional, you gather more applications. More students feel that they might have a chance of getting into your college and they send in an application. So the more applications that a college receives, the more students they reject and the more selective they appear. And schools that are selective rank high, specifically in the U.S. News and World Report rankings, which many people will use in order to determine how good, I'm putting that in air quotes, how good a college is. So it's important to colleges and colleges do more than just offer test optional policies in order to collect more applications. They might offer free applications so you can apply for free. So of course students will do that. It's free. Why not? Might as well send in an application. Another thing they might do is recruit students who fall a little bit lower with their test scores and their grades than their normal average student that they would accept. And so they're recruiting students and collecting more um, more applications and therefore rejecting more students. That's the unfortunate side of the focus on rankings. You have to realize that those statistics need to be looked at alongside the rest of the information about the college because just the ranking, just the, the percentage of students accepted, uh, a low percentage doesn't mean necessarily that the college is better than the next college. Right. I think rankings are good for ideas. So you might get an idea of, oh, I haven't heard of that college and I'm looking at this list. It's ranked. Let me look into it more and see if it's a good fit for me. But if you look at the details of what goes into the rankings for U.S. News and World Report, they're ridiculous things that you wouldn't use as a student to evaluate a school. For example, how selective the school is. Well, does that school offer test optional policies? Because if they do, they're more selective than they had been before they changed over to this policy. Right. So, which tells you nothing about the quality of education they're getting at the school. And it certainly doesn't tell you whether it's a good fit for you personally, as far as an environment to learn in, and you know, socially, as far as the students are going to be around you. Right. So the second reason that colleges employ test optional admissions policies 
that they may not want the public to know about also has to do with the rankings. Students who apply and don't hand in their test scores are generally students who have lower scores than what the average student hands in to a particular college. So if they can accept students who don't hand in lower scores, they don't have to submit those lower scores to the ranking publications. So you're getting those applicants, you're possibly being able to select from those applicants the students you want in your class, but your average test scores are not dragged down by those applicants. Exactly. Very sneaky. It is, especially in terms of students and parents who put a lot of stock in these rankings. If you understand how the rankings are built, then you're an educated consumer and... You probably won't read them. That's right. (laughs) There are a lot of colleges that still haven't gone over to test optional and probably won't. And there's probably some good reasons for that as well. So maybe we should talk a little bit about why colleges use the tests and are sticking with a test requirement. Sure. People trust the tests. They feel these tests are standardized and it's a way to compare apples to apples. If all the students take the same tests, the ones who do the best on it are going to do the best in college. That's the thinking. That isn't necessarily true, but that is the thinking. And sometimes the admissions counselors would like to go to a test optional policy. They understand that there are students who are disadvantaged when taking the test and could very well be successful on campus, even though their scores aren't high, but they get pushback from faculty who are concerned that students with lower scores might not do as well in their classes. There aren't a lot of false positives on an SAT or ACT, so high scores are helpful. You know a student can achieve that high. There are false negatives. There are students who don't do well on a test who will do well in college. So some colleges also need to require the tests for their accreditations for certain programs. It could be education, nursing, engineering. So they might be test optional for all students unless you're applying to X, Y, and Z program. So it's important to read the fine print on the application to make sure you're handing in the right data. Let's talk about how students should approach a test optional school. Two ways. The first is, does their SAT or ACT score reflect what they're doing in the classroom? Does it match the type of student that they are? Did you get a good score if you're an A-plus student in all AP courses? If you did, they go together, submit your scores. If your score is lower than your grades might indicate they should be, you might want to consider not submitting your test score to a test optional school. The second thing to consider, however, is what is the average test score of matriculated students at this school? And schools do report their middle 50% scores, so you can look that data up and see where do I fit in? Am I in the middle? Am I high? Am I low? And if you're low, you might want to not submit your scores. Right. But if you are that middle student, if you're not pleased with your score, but your score is still solidly inside that middle range reported by the school, submit your score. You may not like your score, but it's another data point for the school to consider, and it does match what statistically they're looking for. You're not going to do yourself any harm by submitting it. A lot of students have test score anxiety. Colleges who are test optional have found that students often don't submit scores and then they still would have gotten in had they submitted their scores. So students feel anxious about the scores that they got because they're maybe a little bit lower than that middle 50%. 
but they were going to err, it would make more sense to err on the side of submitting. Also, you probably need to think a little bit about things beyond the academic record itself and the scores. What does the rest of your application show? So you need to think about whether you feel comfortable excluding that test from the school, feel comfortable that there's enough other information there. You need to think about, well, what am I offering this school that's going to make them accept me even though I didn't give them a test score? Because they know the reason you didn't give them a test score is you didn't think your score was good enough. So what do you have to offer? That could be uh, something in terms of music. It could be athletics. It could be that you're a legacy applicant. It could be that you're a full pay applicant, meaning you're not applying for financial aid, but something else there that's going to make them want to accept you. I think it's important to realize that when you apply to a school test optional and you don't submit your score, that is a reach college for you. It is not a school that's a sure thing. So you need to go back and broaden your list and say, okay, well, I have these reach schools. Do I have schools that are what I call target schools? I'm most likely going to get into them. And then some safer options. I'm definitely going to get into these. And it's just a good time to mention that if you can identify one school that is your absolute favorite and it's a test optional school and you've decided not to submit your scores, it makes sense to apply early decision, which means that you're sending in your application to an earlier deadline, usually around October 15th, maybe November 1st. And you're saying to the college, if you accept me, I will definitely attend this school and withdraw all my other applications. Schools really like to accept students who want them. So if you have one test optional school that's a real reach that you want to apply to, it makes sense to make it an ED school early decision. And we'll talk about ED early decision in another episode. But the thing to understand about that is basically that by applying ED, by committing to that school, telling that school that you are committed to them if they accept you, you significantly increase your chances of acceptance. So you mentioned uh, a little while ago full pay, and that's another one of the things that goes into the dynamics of likelihood of acceptance. Maybe talk a little bit more about that and about how full pay impacts how the college evaluates the application. Most colleges are what's called need aware. When they evaluate your application, they are aware of your financial need and how much money it's going to cost them as a school in financial aid dollars to make it so that you could actually attend the school. As unfair as it is, students who are full pay and can afford these very high tuitions, $60,000, $70,000 a year, they're more likely to get accepted to these need-aware schools because those schools need those tuition dollars to run. And they know up front, if you're a full pay student, that they're not going to have to reduce the amount of tuition dollars that are coming in from you if you attend the school. And they might actually still offer some merit aid to entice you to come as opposed to go to another school. And that's important to talk about as well. I understand that some schools will look at standardized testing scores in their decisions to allocate merit aid. Is that correct? That's right. And this is a really important point in terms of COVID-19. Students who are thinking, well, so many colleges are going test optional and I don't really have the opportunity to take the SAT or ACT at a time when I normally would. Let's just forget it, should not just forget it. They should find a time, probably this fall, where they can take these tests because they could be the reason that you get merit aid and reduce the cost of tuition. If you have a chance to take the test, take the test. Don't assume 
that the possibility of going to a test optional school means you don't have to take the test because it's an important data point and it can be used in the ways we just described. It can be used to support the rest of your academic picture. Maybe you'll have a good day. You might even beat your grades, so to speak. And if you're on the lower end of things, then you can think about whether or not to submit it. Exactly. And actually, some of the data on whether or not a school uses SAT, ACT scores for merit aid can be found right on their websites. And they'll tell you very clearly, if you have this GPA with this standardized test score, you get this amount of money off of your tuition. It's really laid out very clearly at some schools. At other colleges, it isn't. You can call the college and and ask the financial aid office or call the admissions office and try to get some information. They're really, they're there to help you. And they know that students are in the situation where they're under a lot of stress and aren't sure when to take these tests, if they're going to be able to take them. Will they offer them at home in the fall? We're not sure what's going to happen. So asking for more information is a good idea. And speaking of more information, <laughs> one of the things is that's probably going to be helpful to students as they think about this whole test optional side of things is just getting an understanding of which schools are and are not test optional. Now, we've listed out a bunch of yeah. uh, schools at the front, but that is just a small sampling right. of the schools. And as we said, that's changing. Yes. So the best place to go is to the FAIR test website, which is fairtest.org. And they are keeping an up-to-date list of schools that are offering test-optional policies. Yeah, and we'll put that into the show notes. So what's the takeaway here for a student, especially in the current circumstances? My advice is for students to stay on top of their game in terms of standardized testing and in terms of their schoolwork. So you want to be doing all of your homework, getting as good of grades as possible if your school is giving grades, and studying for these tests just like you would have had we not had this virus come through. Students should not throw their hands up and say, forget it, I'm just not gonna worry about this. It's really important for you to be able to provide colleges with as much information about yourself that will help you get accepted. That information could very well include your standardized test scores. So my advice is to study for these tests, sign up for them when they do become available, and do the absolute best you can. It could help you get into college. It could help you get merit aid when you do get in. And I think students don't want to be looking back and kicking themselves and being like, you know, I got a little lazy with staying home and then I just let it go. And colleges will be flexible. They understand that it's been difficult for students to uh, get all their testing in either the first time or taking it again, or some students take it a third time. But I still think it's very important to do what you can to do your absolute best with standardized testing, and with every part of the application. And we'll definitely um, have future podcasts that talk about different parts of the application, like um, letters of recommendation and activities lists. Um, So keep listening. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Justin. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about The College Spy, please go to thecollegespy.com. For college admissions tips and up-to-date trends in admissions, follow at The College Spy on Facebook and Twitter. Tune in next week.